Hello everyone, welcome to Couch Talk on traumatic brain injury, PTSD, and the hormone dysfunction that it caused. This is Dr. Anna Kabeka, board certified gynecologist and anti-aging medicine specialist and functional medicine specialist. I am honored to be here today with Dr. Mark Gordon out of California, who has been an expert and advocate expert in the field of traumatic brain injury, as well as an advocate for our veterans football players, sports enthusiasts, et cetera, that have suffered head injury. Dr. Gordon, it's an honor to be here with you today. Thanks for having me, Anna. Tell us a little bit about our, your background and what brought you into this field of specialty. Well, that would take probably a long time, but I'll keep it as brief as can be. Uh, my original training was in um, uh, undergraduate in immunology, and I thought I was going to go into a PhD program, ended up working at UCLA Cedars-Sinai in cancer research. But unfortunately, during that time, um, my father gets bone cancer, and I realized that at the level I was at, I could not really interdict in, in changing the outcome or influencing outcome. So I ended up going to medical school. So I ended up at medical school and ended up doing my residency in Chicago at Rush Presbyterian St. Luke's in family practice, central medicine, boarded in family practice. But during that time, I was privileged to have a very advanced endocrinologist who took me under his wing and really uh, shared with me a lot more than um, a standard resident would receive. And I didn't realize that getting out of my residency that that would eventually become my focus of life. And personally, what happened was I had five head traumas and didn't realize that I had sustained uh, hormonal deficiency because the relationship back in the 90s, it wasn't that clear. So in uh, 95, I started doing the area of anti-aging medicine and uh, changed the name or introduced the name interventional endocrinology because anti-aging medicine, well, you know, my perspective on anti-aging medicine is that there's no such thing as anti-aging medicine. There's just good medicine. So it's about expanding our horizons instead of the traditional way that we usually are focused on medicine, illness, as opposed to what you and I are both doing very well. And that's preventive medicine. That's wellness medicine. That's functional medicine. And we're trying to keep our patients healthy as can be. So anyway, in 1997, I was uh, depressed, obese on antidepressants and said, I got to figure out what's going on. So I went to an institute, which happened to be Senegenics in 1997, and had a full workup by Dr. Leonardi, and they found that I was deficient in three hormones. Well, the relationship between head trauma from my four years of age, uh, 12 years of age being struck by a car, uh, head trauma from swimming pool, messing around in a swimming pool during the swim team, uh, 1971 earthquake and being knocked unconscious. Um, there wasn't a relationship until 2004 when I was preparing the lecture for one of the organizations you and I both used to attend and um, ended up seeing an article that I call my epiphany article from Turkey where boxers were having uh, this specific growth hormone deficiency and that was my aha moment. And I went back to my large population of patients and started asking questions. Have you ever had any kind of head trauma? They said, no head trauma, but I was in a car accident. I said, okay, how about any kind of accidents, any kind of injury? And they said, yes. And you looked at their hormones. I had a, a young boy who was brought in by his parents who were both patients and both hormone deficient. 
And they said, um, you know, because we're hormone deficient, it's genetic and therefore the sun. Well, when I went back to the sun, it turns out he had a motorcycle accident and was in a coma for three days. And uh, it took him six to nine months before his personality changed. He become, became a drug addict. He was uh, in the law, problems with the law frequently. When we corrected his hormones, it all disappeared. So that gave me my focus on the relationship between uh, trauma to the body and the development of hormonal deficiency. On top of that, the literature has been very, very clear that the brain produces its own hormones called neurosteroids. And those neurosteroids regulate our intellect as well as our emotional poise. So if you have disruption of a brain because of inflammation from either a blast trauma or IED or a gunshot, or a hit on the head, or a motorcycle accident, bicycle accident, slip and fall, uh, amusement park ride. All these things can cause shearing or tearing of brain tissue, which creates an inflammation. And that inflammation can destroy or hurt areas of the brain so that our functionality starts to diminish. We see it every single day as physicians with our Alzheimer's patients. What they found in Alzheimer's patients is frontal lobe, where it regulates all the things that we see changing in Alzheimer's patients, they're deficient in a hormone called a neurosteroid hormone, which is pregnenolone or allopregnanolone or progesterone. And if you are deficient in these, what happens is major mood changes, cognitive abilities uh, diminish. So in seeing all the literature, and I've gone through over almost 8,000 articles in the past 10 years talking specifically about these relationships in isolated areas of um, medicine, whether or not it's psychiatric medicine with psychopharmacology or neuropsychopharmacology or neuropharmacology or neurology, they're separated. And when you start reading it and bring this all together, the picture is so very clear. Any kind of head trauma can lead to hormonal deficiency, and that hormonal deficiency can cause personality changes. And that's my focus. And, and what I've learned from you in, in attending your lectures and, and at several of the medical conferences that we've attended is the importance of progesterone, neurosteroids, progesterone, and pregnenolone. Now, let's talk a little bit about progesterone and pregnenolone and using that as a therapy, which I have loved for a long time, been a strong advocate of progesterone for both men and women. And let's talk about some differences in dosages. So when you... Let's step back a second. Let's go ahead to your workup and your evaluation of people who have had traumatic brain injury and how you comprehensively do that. And for our listeners, I want to let you know that Dr. Gordon's website is tbimedlegal.com. So TBI for traumatic brain injury, medlegal.com. So you can find out information on him and how to become a client of his by going directly to that website as well. So Dr. Gordon, your initial evaluation and workup. So the laboratory testing uh, took about 10 years to finally put together so that it's a very streamlined but very comprehensive testing. And what we do is we correlate the brain hormones to the peripheral hormones. And when you see, you know, the way that the body works in something called homeostasis, which is a balance, where if the body is not making the hormones from the glands, a signal is produced by the brain 
to go back to that gland and say, make more like thyroid. We have a chemical in the brain produced by the pituitary called TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone, that goes to our thyroid and tells it to make T4 or L-thyroxine or tetraiodothyronine. And what happens is the thyroid responds and makes it. But if there's a interruption of the connection between the pituitary and the body sensing, what happens is we don't get an elevation in TSH and slowly over time, your thyroid hormone drops. And this is the reason why whenever we go and get our thyroid testing, we need to have more than just a TSH done because doctors looking for a TSH less than one doesn't mean you have adequate amount of T3 and T4 running around in the body. It means that you could also have a defect in your brain's ability to make TSH because of head trauma. So what we do is we correlate for the adrenal glands, ACTH, and the, um, the, the brain and adrenal glands, ACTH, and uh, cortisol. We correlate luteinizing hormone, follicle-stimulating hormone, and testes and ovaries. And we go with the growth hormone, IGF-1 and binding protein 3, which are the three important markers for how well your brain is producing um, uh, growth hormone. And then we have some side things like vitamin D, because vitamin D is no longer a vitamin, it's a hormone. The difference between a vitamin and a hormone is a vitamin is a cofactor in a chemical reaction, while a hormone is goes into our genetic material and turns on switches or off switches so that we get different things done. And what we see is vitamin D is across the board is probably going to be called the super hormone, where we've been calling growth hormone the super hormone. Well, I think we're going to find vitamin D, but there's a relationship between growth hormone and vitamin D where uh, growth hormone helps the kidney to produce active um, vitamin D independent of all the other systems. Also, the relationship between testosterone and vitamin D, and the European Journals of Endocrinology have been producing more literature on this, they found that males with uh, deficiencies of vitamin D are more, uh, are, have a more difficult time to produce maximum amounts of testosterone. Uh, recently, uh, vitamin D and autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, and Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And we're seeing it day in and day out. One other thing that I'll just interject because it's a relatively new group of articles is one where if you have inflammation of an area of the brain called the hypothalamus. Now, the hypothalamus is the regulatory system for our energy production throughout our body. And it's also a sensor for the hormones that are in our body. So the hormones circulating in the blood end up going to the brain, go through the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus says, huh, we, got not, we don't have enough testosterone. Let's send you know, the signal to the pituitary to produce luteinizing hormone, to go to the testicles or the ovaries and produce you know, testosterone. So we've also found recently, or the literature, I didn't find anything, I just read it, uh, is that in people who have inflammation of the hypothalamus have an increased occurrence of a specific kind of diabetes called metabolic syndrome or insulin-resistant diabetes type 2. So in my population, mostly in the military, we're finding that there are guys that have had multiple uh, blast trauma, IED, RPG, or whatever the situation might have been, and they're having issues with balancing off their uh, insulin production, and they have a lot of insulin production. 
So what we do is we correct their testosterone level, which a lot of have deficiencies. Back in 2000, the American Journal of Internal Medicine or American you know, Medical Association, one of those two journals came out with a uh, male Massachusetts study report, which said that males greater than 50 with low free testosterone had a higher occurrence of metabolic syndrome or insulin resistance. Two years later in 2002, they said the same thing for females. So what we do is replace the testosterone and also give them chromium, chromium polynicotinate called chromate, which is a, um, a product that helps insulin to be used better. So what we see in a month to two months, these people with metabolic type two diabetes or metabolic syndrome, insulin resistant type two diabetes, they improve. So we see people with 60s and 70s and insulin uh, that come back a month, two months later and they've got fives and eights. And the high insulin level causes you to store belly fat. It's the insulin, uh, insulin is the hormone of storage. So we look at all these hormones, we look at prolactin. Prolactin, very important because when you have certain medication that are dopamine related, which is stimulated in the brain, it suppresses the um, production of uh, prolactin and testosterone could go up, estrogen and progesterone can go up, but it can also induce agitation, anxiety, and panic attacks. I have a, a gentleman um, in Michigan, who a uh, lawyer who was in a car accident and about six to eight months after his car accident, he developed morning panic attacks. And when we did the testing, prolactin was very low and his testosterone was low, which indicated that he had excessive amount of dopamine. It wasn't medication related. It was just what happened from his injury. He was producing more dopamine. So we did things to help diminish his dopamine production and his panic attacks disappeared. Mm -hmm. Pregnenolone was one of those products. Talking about pregnenolone and progesterone, pregnenolone is called the, the mother of all hormones, and pregnenolone comes from cholesterol. So anything we do to interrupt cholesterol production in the body will influence all our hormones that are manufactured by the base of cholesterol, and that means testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, cortisol, DHT, DHEA, and all these brain hormones, pregnenolone, becomes another product, which is called allopregnenolone, which is brain protective, anti-inflammatory in the brain. And that becomes progesterone, which progesterone could go to pregnenodiol, which also is a very important brain protector. UCLA a year ago started a research on allopregnanolone, which is a metabolite of pregnenolone, which is the active metabolite. And they found that it's not only neuroregenerating, free radical uh, consumer, and also improves the communication between nerves, which is called synaptogenesis. So synapses where two nerves get a chance to handshake and communicate and pass their information further and further. So people who have cognitive impairment or emotional turpitude, it might be due to this disruption. Recently, articles coming out talking about the little receptors in our brain that regulate emotion, and they found that pregnenolone can stabilize the receptors. Also, it bumps off uh, Valium-like drugs, benzodiazepines, so that it can actually give you an in, uh, enhanced sense of awareness, can give you uh, an alertness, being present, as opposed to being sedate. 
Well, I want to emphasize too for our listeners, we've gone over a lot of technical information too, and, and just the importance of what Dr. Gordon is emphasizing about the collaboration of hormones, right? We Correct. know that we need healthy levels of vitamin D for even progesterone IV given in traumatic brain injury to be optimized and effectively working. We need healthy levels of vitamin D and DHEA for our oxytocin cascade to actually function and work. And a lot of these clients, especially your veterans, acknowledging the low testosterone, there was an excellent study out of Italy that looked at uh, cholesterol-lowering medications and testosterone levels and found, of course, a significant association between being on a statin medication and having low low cholesterol uh, low testosterone and then that did improve adjusting the other so lifestyle is hugely important when we are applying hormone management um, we you know like I always tell my um, patients I wouldn't write a hormone prescription unless you're doing this lifestyle prescription because of the importance that there's no one drug one size fits all and that we do have to look at this very holistically all together. I also want to emphasize for our listener, again, progesterone we're talking about here is so hugely safe. And we're talking about bioidentical progesterone. We're talking about bioidentical pregnenolone. We're not talking about synthetics. And that's really huge. I'd encourage anyone who has had also a traumatic brain injury or suffered that to look at the Protect 3 protect three trials that originated out of Emory University and have gone nationwide looking at high levels of IV progesterone in traumatic brain injury and found no significant side effects or risks associated with these high dose levels, but improvement in recovery and cognitive function after the fact. So important. And also we find out, and as Dr. Gordon has in his work, research and treatment of thousands of, of clients, that no matter how remote your injury was, you can have success, you can have recovery. And with that, Dr. Gordon, we've um, talked back and forth about post-traumatic stress disorder, because a lot of this TBI is also PTSD. Can you elaborate the distinction differences or how you would treat a stress right. PTSD, uh, no TBI? Sure. Um, I'm not a great supporter of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, because if you look at the 410,000 uh, service people who came back in 2012, they were all listed as having PTSD, we're finding that they really had traumatic brain injury. Now, the distinction is in PTSD, it's a 100% pure psychological, emotional impact on their well-being. They've seen things that are horrible to have seen. Uh, they've experienced something that is, you know, terrible for them to handle. And that precipitates the 100% psychological component that we call PTSD. In traumatic brain injury, there's a physical component. And that physical component predisposes the individual to having the uh, damage to neurons or tearing of brain tissue to create this chemical reaction, which leads to um, hormonal deficiency or inflammation in the, in the brain. So when we go through the, um, our patient population coming in from the military and coming from the civilian uh, world, that we find that there's really no one with pure PTSD. 
there are in the psychiatric literature these two overlapping spheres where they say, here are the symptoms of PTSD and here are the symptoms of TBI, and you overlay them and you see they're mostly TBI-related issues now. Psychiatrists and psychology, you know, I had 500 hours of training in my residency in psych, institutionalized for six weeks in a facility so I get a feel for it. And um, there's a need for what they call comorbidity, which came first. Did the, did the actual physical component come before the PTSD arrived? And that's the majority of cases, if you look for it. Uh, recently in February, I was on um, Dr. Drew's show, and I had uh, come with me a uh, medic from the Army who had not a scratch on his body during his tours of duty, but he was always near blast trauma. And when he was finally separated from the military, he developed severe depression, mood changes, uh, emotional outbursts and everything. And he ended up coming in. And we found that he, in fact, had two and a half, I call it, uh, two full hormone deficiencies and one borderline. That's two and a half. And um, testosterone was one of the most prominent ones. And correcting his hormone, he's living a wonderful life uh, because the correction helped him with mood and uh, functionality. He left the medical field and he's in IT, which takes a lot of brain power for doing, you know, doing computer-related issues. But, um, you know, they were calling him PTSD. And the beauty of the PTSD terminology is it's so simple to treat. You hand them a packet of medication. And you say, okay, you're PTSD, take these antidepressants. If you look at the November 12th program on Joe Rogan, where uh, we had one of our, um, our SEAL-embedded medics who was blown up, had multiple surgeries on a jaw, six pins, shrapnel out of the left side of the skull, his left leg, I think it was, was shot out from under him, and he was on 15 medications. And for 18 months, he was on Oxycontin, he was on Vicodin, he was on morphine, he was on rotating forms of uh, SSRIs, uh, antidepressant medication. He was on Adderall to pick him up, Tracidon to go to sleep. He was on Celebrex for pain. He was on Tylenol. He was just on a litany of drugs. And nonetheless, after 18 months of being on this, he attempts suicide. He ends up in lockdown in Tacoma, Washington, and... Um, listens to our first program in January 2014 on Joe Rogan and ends up becoming one of our military-funded uh, cases. And on the November 12th show of Joe Rogan, he goes through his history, and he says he was on 15 drugs. In 10 days of starting his hormone replacement, he's feeling better. In six weeks, he's off of 14 of his 15 medications. And in one year, he's been with us about uh, almost two years, a uh, year and a half, and he's off of all his drugs. The only thing he's doing is his hormonal replacement, which is now uh, granted to him through a company called University Compounding Pharmacy, gave us a $100,000 grant to use for providing our veterans with uh, treatment that they're not getting uh, through the VA. It's not that the VA is doing a great job, but they're doing it looking down only one pathway. We're looking at another one, and our results are uh, impressive. Uh, I'm not going to say that 100% of the people become 100% better. I'll say that 95% of the people become 50 to 100% better. And uh, we have a show coming up. Um, I take that back. 
we have a, uh, a meeting with the government in North Carolina to introduce them to the program, and I'm taking a few of the guys with us so they can sit and talk. I don't want to say anything. I want these guys to explain what they came through. So it's not only for military, it's for you know the civilian sports person. Yes, I went to uh, NFL retiree meeting to uh, start interacting with them. Um, but you know, it's, you have to be open, a leap of faith with what we're doing because we're so um, contrary to what the standard philosophy is in medicine. They're doing a great job, but there's something that works better with off all their medication. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it is um, really sad, some the stories that we hear of our veterans and the treatment they had or the run, you know, the, the um, sequential treatments that they've had and the right. neurologic consequences, right? They, they still don't sleep. They still have issues with the PTSD flashbacks. They're still struggling with relationships. And, and a non-civilian case certainly is I had a client that who had a blast trauma working on a rig and he had two children and just felt like so disconnected from his family, anything. And I always tell my male patients, I know you're desperate when you come to a gynecologist for help. And he's like, yeah, doctor, just tell me what you want me to do and I will do it. They're so determined because they're like yes. everywhere. What, what will help me? And first just saying, okay, you feel disconnected. This is a natural physiologic response to PTSD, chronic trauma, and then also the add-on overlap of the traumatic brain injury. And like you said, there's this, there's this um, uh, mer um, immersion of the two or meshing of the two. So, so right. we look at that and address those issues. Use, you know, look at his labs. Testosterone's were in the low 200s, and he's a 38-year-old strapping, healthy man, mm -hmm. mostly concerned with his disconnect from his wife and his kids. He goes, I know right. I love them. I'm just not feeling it. And so that's where I use oxytocin in those situations and help them along, you know, at least even temporarily to feel that again. Mm -hmm. And also just to give them, okay, that's a normal response. And it's amazing how that can transform his attitude, his relationship. And yeah, we still do hormones and we still focus on the therapeutic Mm -hmm. uh, lifestyle changes and we still heal like as a functional medicine doc we always heal the gut because cortisol will play havoc on our GI system and if we can't reestablish that aspect of health then we're not going to continue to gain move forward as well sure. as want to with our clients and, and that's sometimes where we lose where we lose our clients is is making those lifestyle changes but encouraging you know so i so want to encourage our listeners that traumatic brain injury of of any kind really can can come a long way in being helped and open to the use of progesterone let's talk about progesterone in men and progesterone in women because mm -hmm. bioidentical progesterone in women in a topical i'll use 20 to 60 milligrams in oral 200 to 400 typically um, in using progesterone but I also use trochies and that will depend from 50 to 200 milligrams in women what about mm -hmm. dosages in men for you well we're just getting ready to do a uh, study uh, which is a nanoliposomal uh, delivered system you know my background with nanoliposomals with secretropin and so forth right. and the future one called dinotropin um, the progesterone that we're going to be testing is only five milligrams because the 
uh, magnitude of absorbability being in a nanoliposomal composition. Now, for the listeners, what a nanoliposome is, it takes whatever chemical you're trying to deliver to the body and it envelops it in a, um, a, a lipid similar to what a normal cell has, but it's very small so that it penetrates almost immediately into the blood system. So we get to use a lot less of a hormone or a product than we would if we just took a capsule. I mean, the greatest comparison is, Zumi, <clears throat> for understanding's sake, if you took a 1,000 milligrams of regular old vitamin C, you only absorb 190 milligrams of 1,000 milligrams. But if you mix it with our liposomal solution, you will absorb about 940 milligrams. So it means if you're good with 200 milligrams, you can use one-fifth the amount in um, one-fifth the amount. The other benefit is in putting it into the mouth and getting it under the tongue, it goes into the circulation that goes into the brain a lot faster. So it goes to the brain um, and where the, where the area we're trying to service is, number one, not so much the rest of the body. So we'll be starting out with uh, five milligrams. We did a uh, early test with um, some of the military because they were foggy, they weren't sleeping as well, and boom, they start sleeping and their fogginess disappears within a week to 10 days. So that's the dosing I use. In women, I titrate it. Yeah, yeah, that sounds excellent. And again, the safety benefits, I mean, it's, it's, it's um, difficult to find a case of a consequence of bioidentical progesterone. Correct. So I would, you know, just definitely recommend that too. In men, I've used five to 10 milligrams in a cream or pretty much five milligrams in a cream or mm -hmm. milligrams oral when I'm trying to get them to sleep. I love liposomal and mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to your um, release of that product. So tell our clients too how they can get the benefit program that's available um, where there's even a foundation that will fund a lot of this work, testing and clinical consultation, as well as um, where they can get more information. Right. Um, I have... Uh paired up with a uh, charitable organization which is called Warrior Angel Foundation, who was founded by their CEO, uh, Andrew Marr, who's a um, sergeant first class in Green Beret, who had four tours of duty, and during his last tour was um, exposed to uh, explosions that ended his career. And um, he went to facilities in Texas to help him with his balance and get his uh, proprioception back, his balance ability in his body, but it did nothing for his psycho-emotional cognitive state. So um, we, at the same time, reached out to each other for different reasons, and he ended up becoming a patient, and he was on 12 medications and uh, alcoholic and uh, five children at 34, 35 years of age, and uh, he wasn't doing well. So he came in and uh, we drew his blood and before we got the blood work back, we started him on a test panel, or an area for emergency cases. And within two days, he's feeling, as he said, 180 degrees around. We found his deficiency, started him on treatment. In three weeks, he's off of 12 medications and he's no longer drinking. And that was in March of this year. And he was just in town for us to do a uh, fundraiser launch with Joe Rogan, who sponsored it. Um, it's uh, if people want to see it. It's it's 
impressive listening to him um, on Joe Rogan podcast number 700. Um, so Andrew talks about his experience. Also, uh, in May when my book came out on traumatic brain injury and treatment, he was there for our military night, and he spoke for about 17 minutes, and it was just, everybody had tears in their eyes listening to his story of this healthy, strapping, green beret, kill the evil, protect the United States, protect our people, and he ends his um, he ends his uh, career in the Green Berets by having been blown up and knocked unconscious and developed downward spiral, alcohol, drugs, the VA trying to do their best, nothing was working, which is a key factor. When you're on antidepressants and you feel still depressed, it indicates you have what they're calling treatment-resistant depression. What we're finding in that group of people, that subpopulation, is that you fix their hormones they don't need the antidepressant. They feel better. The literature is full. I have a, I'm going to uh, Colorado to the International Society of Neurofeedback Research to give them a lecture. And I made a slide which looks at the literature. In the past 15 years, there are almost 800,000 articles that have been written on the relationship between hormones, each one, estradiol, progesterone, pregnenolone, DHEA, testosterone, thyroid, growth hormone, and the occurrence of depression. 800,000 articles. We're not listening to it. Post-surgical, if anybody's had multiple surgeries or a prolonged surgery, it increases your risk for thyroid and testosterone deficiency. And it delays your actual recovery of brain. The body might recover, the scars might you know, close or the wounds close, but the brain takes a long time. And you can do things, I have a program where we uh, intervene before surgery to get them checked out and get them onto a protocol which will protect their brain with CoQ10, vitamin C, functional medicine things, PQQ, some of the new things that are out there, phenomenal responses. Phenomenal. I, I think that's so true and so excellent. So um, people can go to your website, tbimedlegal.com. And, right. um, and also for all our listeners, and viewers who are watching this on YouTube or listening via our Couch Talk podcast, that would be go to my website, Dr. Anna Kabeca, C A B E C A dot com, and sign up for our Couch Talk podcast or look it up on iTunes, Dr. Anna Kabeca Couch Talk podcast on iTunes and share this really informative, life saving, and restoring interview that we've done today with Dr. Gordon. I thank all our listeners, Dr. Gordon, I especially thank you for all the wonderful work you're doing. Thank you. Thanks for the yeah. honor of being on your program. I really appreciate it. Right. My goal is to get the word out. And we're doing that. We have over 60,000 listeners and viewers and subscribers, so we're happy to share it with all of them. And then Thank you. To spread Thank them. you very much. And for the veterans we see, thank you. That have protected us. Thank you. Amen to that. And to everyone, thank you. And we'll see you on the next Couch Talk. <laughs>